You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. Now batting for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball, the host, Al Melchior. Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball. Welcome everybody to Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball. I am your host, Al Melchior. And a little bit of a different show today than we've had in a long, long, long time. Just uh, a day plus left on the schedule. We got a couple of big games, and I do mean big games going on right now. Red Sox and Astros, Yankees and Blue Jays, both scoreless. So uh, we will. Uh, I will do my best to track the suspense during the show because obviously uh, playoff seeding is at stake there, and maybe even uh, some rotation spots uh, at stake for for Sunday's games. Uh, I know for the Red Sox, for sure, this is going to be. Uh, uh, a difference maker in terms of whether or not you can start Chris Sale tomorrow. So uh, I'll try to uh, do my best to check in on those. But I'm also going to have from uh, Bones and Gilmore Girls, uh, fame from those shows, David Greenman, who's a big-time fantasy baseball player. I've actually been in a league with David. Uh, we're going to talk about our respective lessons learned uh, so far this season. I think it's not too soon to do that now that we're 160 games in. So I have David on. Going to do Sunday streamers here on the show. Something a little bit different because uh, for the first 25 weeks over on FanRag Sports, I have done a column that's gone up every Saturday. Uh, there's not going to be a written Sunday streamers this week. So I'm going to break it down right here on the air. And uh, let's get to the news. Uh, there is a bit of news, even this late in the season. Uh, first of all, Mike Trout hit his career 200th home run on Friday against the Mariners and then uh, did himself one better and hit number 201 last night. Uh, Miguel Sano was activated uh, by the Twins and appeared against the Tigers last night in that game uh, as a pinch hitter. Did not get a base hit, but back in action, uh, Sano. So don't expect that he'll play too much today or tomorrow, but you know, probably get in a few at bats uh, to possibly get ready for the uh, the wild card game there. And I mentioned before, Chris Sale he will definitely start tomorrow. If the Red Sox have not yet clinched the division today, they can do that by beating the Astros or by the Blue Jays beating the Yankees. So that's a big deal. Jake Arrieta will not start tomorrow against the Reds. He will throw a sim simulated game instead, and Mike Montgomery will start. I'll talk about him a little bit when I talk about Sunday streamers. Jacob deGrom is done for the season with gastroenteritis. Noah Syndergaard is scheduled to start tomorrow, but he will be on a 25-pitch limit. And Salvador Perez is out again today for the Royals. He's been dealing with the groin issue. He was out yesterday. He may, however, play Sunday. So uh, that's you know going to be relevant for some of you looking for your uh, final daily lineup catching option. Josh Reddick is done for the year. He's headed back to Houston to go undergo tests on the sore back. Uh, when I say done for the year, I mean regular season. Uh, so, yeah, for your fantasy purposes, no more Josh Reddick and also no more Eduardo Nunez. Anyway, so that's uh, pretty much all the news for now. So stick around when I come back. I am going to break down the Sunday slate for you, so don't go anywhere. Six. 
sneakers are taking over tailgates and alumni homes across America. Skix Canvas High Top, Low Top, Slip On, and Kids Tennis Style Sneakers, designed in officially licensed college colors and logos, is a must-have for every college fan's wardrobe. Fun, fashionable, and comfortable. Whether you're at the big game or watching the game at home, Skix helps fans perform better. Go to Skix.com and use promo code FNTTSY for 15% off your pair now. That's Skix.com. Skix Sneakers, the soul of a true fan. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And uh, I've got quite a bit to get to in this segment, particularly as it pertains to tomorrow's slate. Going to go over some of the uh, starting pitchers that you might be able to pick up off of waivers. I like some more than others. I put a Twitter poll out there about Johnny Cueto, who's starting tomorrow. I've got a question off of Twitter about a couple of Sunday starters. But before I get to all of that, I uh, just want to remind you that you can go to either dailyroto.com slash DKMS or rotoexperts.com slash DKMX, DKMS. Let me make sure I get that right. And it's important because uh, at either of those sites, you'll be able to find out about DKMS and what they do to fight blood cancer. A lot of great information there. You can learn how to sign up as a bone marrow donor or make a donation or just learn more about uh, what DKMS does. And also, while you're there, you can sign up uh, for a link uh, or through a link to Fantasy Draft to play a free DFS game uh, that's going to go on all football season long. Uh, There'll be a new contest for each of uh, the weeks through week 16. And then uh, on week 17, each of the weekly winners will play against each other for the grand prize of winning a couple of tickets to Super Bowl 52 in Minnesota. So a lot of cool stuff there to check out. So uh, just be sure, again, to check out either dailyroto.com slash DKMS or rotoexperts.com slash DKMS. Uh, let me get to the Twitter question. I've been bad about this. I've, I solicit these before the show. And then... Um, Sometimes uh, I run out of time, so I apologize. I'm, I'm making it a point to get to this first thing. Uh, this is from at Rudy underscore Hess, and this is really a two-parter. Uh, both good ones, though. Will Gio, as in Gio Gonzalez, and Snell, Blake Snell, make their Sunday starts? I would think that's an absolute certainty for Blake Snell. I can't foresee any reason why he wouldn't make that start uh, for the Rays tomorrow. Um Gio Gonzalez, I also would think, would be close to certain, but obviously with the Nationals uh, you know, going uh, to the postseason, that one's a little dicier. Not so much because I think Gonzalez won't make the start, but just because I could see him maybe only pitching three or four innings. Don't know if I haven't seen anything to that effect, but uh, it would just wouldn't surprise me, given what we've seen already with some of the uh, starters uh, going shorter on their last start. So... Um, I would certainly avoid Gio Gonzalez tomorrow. And then uh, as for Blake Snell, uh, I apologize here for the delay because I actually had the wrong uh, matchup here. So the, the uh, Rays have the Orioles at home. Orioles has been a nice matchup for Richard. Now, uh, it's Kevin Gosman who's supposed to go for uh, the Orioles tomorrow. Not good the last time out. Um, but who knows? Uh, you know, I would I would feel pretty good. Just you know, independent of Gosman, I'd feel pretty good about this matchup for uh, for Blake Snell. So I do think he'll make it. I do imagine he'll 
go a normal length in that one. So I feel pretty good about that. Uh, but let's get on to some of the pitchers. Snell maybe is not necessarily all that available. That might be a more of a dilemma if you've got him on your bench. Uh, and the same thing could be said for Johnny Cueto. So I want to talk about his start a little bit and then move on to yeah, half a dozen pitchers who you almost certainly can get on waivers in most leagues. But I always find, I've talked about this throughout the season, the Padres-Giants matchups Always intriguing ones for the pitchers on both sides uh, because neither team has been good offensively this year. Both teams play in parks that are really pitcher-friendly, especially the Giants. And this one pits uh, Johnny Cueto against Luis Perdomo, who, if memory serves me correctly, I think I featured in the last Sunday streamers. And if it wasn't that one, it was probably the one before that. Uh, the last start or two haven't gone really that well for Perdomo, but he had been. Maybe it was two weeks ago because he was in the midst of a pretty nice run there, and, and a, he's been a good ground ball pitcher all season long. Um, not that that necessarily is going to be a big factor in this start. But I, I would avoid Perdomo, but really the question is, with your season potentially on the line, and if you care about your matchups tomorrow, then I assume it's because you're playing for something, whether it's just you're trying to maximize your your final position in the standings or just uh, you're actually trying to win, win a title tomorrow. Uh, can you trust Johnny Cueto? Because he's for the most part had a pretty nice September, but I, I think this is a situation in my opinion that it really depends on what categories you need. If you are playing for a categories title, but before I get to my opinion on this, let me tell you what the internet says about Johnny Cueto starting its Padres tomorrow. So I asked, uh, your season's on the line. Who would you, or would you start Johnny Cueto versus the Padres tomorrow? And it's a resounding landslide. 83% said, yes, they would trust Johnny Cueto tomorrow. Only 17% said, no, thank you. Uh, and I'm, I'm kind of sitting on the fence here. I think probably in most situations, you can go ahead and start Cueto, partly because your alternatives may not be a lot better. But the, here's the caveat that there are three alternatives that I like a lot. And if you were worried about, I'd say, whip in particular, um, I, I might, uh, Cueto might be, might be the odd man out for me. Um, if you need Ks, definitely start Cueto because that's the one thing that's been very clear for him since coming back uh, roughly a month ago is he's been a much, much better strikeout pitcher. Strangely enough, he's not been throwing his cutter very much, and that's been a good swing and miss pitch for him. Uh, but walks have been inconsistent for him, which, as I said, if you're worried about whip, I think there's some better options out there. He's also been giving up quite a bit of hard contact, Johnny Cueto. So here are some other alternatives to consider. This is actually, I think, my favorite one. And when I did the research, if I had just kind of gone by gut or just preconceived notion, this pitcher would not be close to my favorite streaming option for tomorrow. Nick Pavetta against the Mets. Now, I had been lamenting earlier this month, I don't understand how the Mets are hitting and scoring so many runs because that lineup just looks pretty bad. Well, the Mets have come down to earth. They've scored 29 runs over the last seven games. Uh, and they also profile as a really just a good matchup for Pavetta. He has been getting a lot of ground balls in the last month, and I'm, I'm not sure why. Uh, I mean, well, actually, I have an idea why he's changed his release point. Um, but all of a sudden, he's gone from being a fly ball pitcher to a ground ball pitcher. 51% ground ball rate on his four-seamer 
in the month of September. He also has a 20% called strike rate. And the, the reason why I say the Mets are kind of a good matchup for him, aside from the fact that they're just not scoring much in general, they've been a very selective team this year. And it's at this point of the year, it's hard to look at season-to-date stats because sometimes the lineups that, the, that are on the field are really different than what's represented in those full-season stats. But they've, uh, they've not been you know, a big team to, you know, a real aggressive team in terms of swing percentage. Pavetta's got a 20% called strike rate this month. So between that and the ground ball rate and the fact that the Mets aren't scoring much, I really, really like Pavetta. And the Mets are starting to know Syndergaard, but with a 25 pitch count, that's probably an inning or an inning plus. So then you're getting the bullpen. I, I like this for Pavetta a lot. I also really like Tyler Anderson. He's got the Dodgers, who I imagine will probably sit quite a few players. Uh, the starter for the Dodgers is TBD. It is at Coors Field, but in his last start, Tyler Anderson shut out the Marlins for seven innings. And I, another thing that surprised me in looking at some stats, the Marlins lead the major leagues in WOBA and are tied with the Astros for the most runs over the last 14 days. So as cold as the Mets have been offensively, the Marlins have been very hot. So that's, that. you know, Anderson really aced a tough matchup at Coors Field there. I think he can do the same against what I would expect to be a depleted Dodgers lineup. Now, speaking of the Marlins, they've got the Braves at home and Max Freed. So I like that a lot for Jose Urania, who's been pretty solid aside from a start at Coors Field. Um so those three, Pavetta, Urania, and Anderson, I like a lot just in general as waiver options. Um, I like them all for wins. Uh, I would say for strikeouts, probably Pavetta would be the one I like the best there. Uh, just a, a few others, just real quick. The Montgomery's, uh, Jordan and Mike. Now, I'm not sure Jordan's going to start tomorrow. It was supposed to be Jaime Garcia today. The Yankees decided to go with CeCe Sabathia. So maybe it's Jaime Garcia tomorrow, but at least right now it's Jordan Montgomery. If it continues to be him, he's got the Blue Jays. Um, they've been a little bit of a, a better matchup than Montgomery's last two, which were great starts, the Rays and the Orioles. But he's a decent option if he starts. Daniel Mengden gets the Rangers. Uh, he has done well lately with good matchups. The Rangers right now are the best matchup in baseball. They have had the worst offense over the last 14 days. And uh, then also Mike Montgomery going to be filling in for Jake Arrieta. He'll face the Reds and Deck McGuire. That's a pretty good matchup all around. And Montgomery has a 2.52 ERA over his last nine appearances. Good ground ball pitcher, not giving up very many extra base hits. Uh, I put Montgomery in a lesser category then Pavetta and those other guys. I'm just not sure how deep Montgomery will go into that start. So there is your audio version of Sunday Streamers. So stick around. You can have some good discussion with David Greenman on the other side. We'll be right back. <laughs> it never gets old. All right, everyone. Two truths, one lie. I was going to be on The Real World. I play the oboe. And I saved a kid's life. You definitely never saved a kid's life. I'm serious. Last summer, I donated bone marrow to a kid who had leukemia. Saving a life. The truth is, it's easier than you think. Learn how at DKMS.org. <laughs> who knew we were living with a hero? Um, a hero <laughs> who plays the oboe. <laughs> <laughs>
Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melkier, your host. And joining me for this segment, and I'm hoping maybe they've been a little bit more than that, it's David Greenman. David, welcome to the show. Hello there, Al. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, thrilled to have you on. Good, good to hear you. Um, well, people uh, may know you from uh, about last night or Bones uh, or Gilmore Girls, uh, but you've also got something uh, now called Checked Out. Uh, what what is uh, Checked Out all about? Checked Out was a web series that I wrote and I also performed in uh, that sort of started me off on this writing kick that I have been on for the last couple of years. Um, and it shifted my focus a little bit. It's a comedy web series about uh, some slackers hiding out in the break room of the supermarket where they work. And uh, it was a lot of fun to work on. I had some great actors in it with me. And uh, I have been writing ever since uh, and have a bunch of projects always in the works. I wish I had something I could actually talk about, but, you know, nothing has <laughs> been put on the air yet for that. But uh, okay. there's lots of exciting things in the works. So hopefully we'll have something soon. Okay. Anything involving, uh, I know, another love of yours, uh, baseball, uh, anything uh, yes. that we can look forward to there? Uh, I would Let's... love to. I did. You, you know, I wrote a baseball movie a couple of years ago that looked like it was going to go. And then there were some strange things uh, and it didn't go. Uh, but uh, I would love to write something else with baseball. I would love to do a, a baseball TV project at some point. Um, I thought Fox had some interesting things on their pitch show last year. Um, but I'd love to do one that's a little more grounded and real in the baseball world uh, that we love. All right. Well, I, I hope to see that, too, uh, someday. And, uh, Chris, you can keep up with David on Twitter at Greenest Man. You are the Greenest Man on Twitter. And, I am. Um, uh, before we get to fantasy, well, you know what? This is actually fantasy-related, this question I'm going to ask you. So we've got the Red Sox and the Yankees both going right now. This is just My Red Sox are up, Al. They're up, too. I know. I know. There's fantastic situation. You're, you're a Red Sox fan, right? I, mean, I am, exactly. I, so they're up 2-0. Yankees are up 2-0, but obviously if the Red Sox hold that, that lead, it's it's a moot point for the Yankees in terms of the division race. But I, you know, I was thinking, I talked about earlier in the show, how if the Red Sox win if they or if they just clinch, however they do it, uh, that would mean Chris Sale won't start tomorrow. So you're a Red Sox fan. I don't know if you're a Chris Sale owner, but I, if you're not, you're an actor, so you could imagine it, I assume. I can. Um <laughs> <laughs> so uh, take take one for the team and let them clinch tomorrow and get Chris Sale tomorrow, or or do you just you just read for root for a Red Sox clinch today? Uh, I don't want the Astros to see Chris Sale until the first game of the ALDS. Uh, I think it would be better if he doesn't have to pitch tomorrow and give him a little extra rest. And uh, I'm trying to remember who wrote the article. I want to credit Eno Saris, but I always want to credit Eno Saris. Uh, somebody was writing that. The more times a team has seen Chris Sale, the, the worse he does against them, which sort of makes sense. Uh, and he hasn't seen the Astros a ton, so I would love for them not to get a look at him right now. All right, so you'd be willing to take the hit to your fantasy team if you had a daily lineup, uh, or I guess you know, just any lineup uh, you know, where you had Chris Sale in it then. That's, I always uh, find that an inter- interesting question. <laughs> I mean, if my season was on the line and there was money in it, I would probably want Chris Sale to start for my fantasy team. I am thankfully right. not in that situation, but yes, okay, I will assume the <laughs> role of Chris Sale owner who needs his start tomorrow. Uh, and uh, yes, I would then want us to lose right now. 
Priorities. I like it. I like the priorities. All right. Well, I can, I'm gonna... I can also say as a Masahiro Tanaka owner, seeing his best start of the season when I didn't need it yesterday, that also didn't help my Red Sox, did not make me a happy man. Yeah, that's, that sounds like a lose-lose. That's... It was. It was a lose-lose. All right. Well, let's 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 dig in uh, more to your your fancy teams, uh, and and I'll uh, you know chip in as as well. So I, I've had sort of a, a mixed year this year. Um, I'm I'm still playing for a title in two leagues right now. Um, one's a head to head categories. The other is a score sheet league. Uh, and those playoffs, of course, don't start till the real playoffs start. But um, you know, I had some teams that didn't do so well. Uh, how how, uh, how you feel about your season overall? My Roto team, and I always thought I was the strongest Roto player, my Roto team was terrible this year. Uh, and my, my head-to-head categories, I am locked in for second. And I had a points league team that dominated all season and then lost in the playoffs, which is why I hate the playoffs. Uh, but there's nothing you can do about that. Especially, it seems like this season more people have lost their like two-start weeks than normal. Uh, so our final playoff week was last week and I just lost a whole bunch of my starters at the end of the week, which didn't help, especially in a points league. Um, but overall coming in second in two leagues, uh, is not, not bad in my book. I'd say not, not bad. Well, um, you know, whether it's a good season or bad season, uh, just, I always try to find something to carry over to the next season to be, be better than however good I was in the current season. So I, I, you know, I definitely want to, uh, you said you had a, a, a pretty healthy list of, of lessons learned from this year. So I want to get to those as soon as possible, but there are a few things um, for my season this year that I wanted to throw out there. And then if you had a similar experience or, or you know, a different experience with the same issue, um, I, I'd love you to chime in. But uh, one thing I was very proud of myself for doing this year that really helped me out in, in Tout Wars in particular was getting players through Fab who, who didn't do much right away uh, or you know had a slump or, or in the case of, of at least one player went on the DL. And I kept those players for, for the potential later on. And it, you know, so soaking up a, uh, a bench spot when I could have pursued somebody else. And, and these are both players that really helped me. Uh, uh, two players in particular really helped me down the stretch. Matt Olson and, and uh, Brent Suter, who spent a lot of time on my bench. Um, and another thing, too, is that I, I went into this year saying I was not going to spend a lot on saves. I've had really bad discipline in past years about that. I only In Tout Wars, I only spent $15 on closers. I was pretty good in, in other leagues with that as well. And I, I'm, looks like I'm going to finish third in saves in Tout Wars. So, or at least right now I'm tied for third, I should say. And then this is something, David, I brought up on previous shows that I felt like going into this year with my rankings and um, how I execute some of my drafts, I put too much weight on some 2016 performances. Players like Jonathan VR, Trevor Story, Hernan Perez, um, who all, of course, were, were big disappointments, but the, also they were kind of one-year wonders. Stories In Story's case, it was a rookie year. But uh, any of those issues were those things that um, came up for you in one way or another? I think they, they all did. Uh, I think it was two years ago where I had dropped a bunch of people that suddenly got amazing right after I dropped them. Uh, I think that was the year Chris Carter was terrible for two thirds of the season. And I was finally done with that guy. And then he hit like 30 homers in a month. 
uh, that's an exaggeration. But uh, then I, since then, I have tried to practice patience as you did. Not with everyone. Uh, there's a guy in one of my leagues who held Moncada and Giolito and all these people for most of the season, and it damaged his team because he didn't have enough other people. But I think if you have a couple guys that you really believe in and you have the bench spots in that league, I think that's, that's a great thing to do. Uh, to, to give someone your confidence and, and let it ride. And then you get rewarded like you did with Matt Olson for the last stretch of the year. Uh, and Brent Suter, when no one else was starting, uh, who was very helpful. Um, saves, uh, I decided this year uh, I was going to do what I thought was a, a starting pitcher strategy and make sure I had one ace closer and one really good closer, and then I could just fill in with the waiver wire fodder. Uh, unfortunately, I chose Aroldis Chapman as my ace closer, uh, and we know injury uh, sort of derailed him this year, and it was not a typical Chapman year. He looks good now, so maybe he'll be good again next year when I won't own him because I'm angry at him. But uh, that's, uh, that, that's how I sort of rolled with saves this year, and it just didn't really work in any of my leagues. I also feel like there's a lot less turnover than usual. Uh, people sort of held on to their jobs. Maybe I'm totally wrong. Um, Maybe it was a lot of teams turned over, but not multiple times. I don't know. Yeah, there were, because uh, I actually just wrote about this for Fangraphs. Uh, I think it, uh, the final count I had was nine that were wire-to-wire closers, and then two others who were just uh, Edwin Diaz, and I think Chapman was the other one. that I, Or no, Chapman was, because he spent some time on the DL, too, in, in, yeah. in addition to being demoted to, to set up. Um I'm blanking right now. Oh, the second one was Roberto Ozuna, who missed the first week. So if you include oh, yes. them, it's 11 out of 30 teams that had the same closer all year. So, a, which seems, is about the seems, same as last year. Is it the same as last year? Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think there were 10 last year. Maybe it was that the top guys, like like Chapman and Britton and Melanson and O, and even Kelvin Herrera, who a lot of people were really hot on for this year, all sort of backfired. Um but yeah, saves saves was tough this year. I made it go back to my don't don't pay for the big guys and try to get a lot of the smaller guys, which was my old strategy. I might try that next year unless some of my league mates are listening, and then I won't. Uh, <laughs> uh, but you know, it, it, I, I have sort of a nihilistic view of of lessons learned because I feel like every time I learn something and I'm like, I'm not going to do that again. Then the next year, I realize if I had done it, it would have helped me. So. Uh, you know, any any strategy I think can can work at least once, <laughs> uh, but there there are things I think you have to choose what you're comfortable with and what you enjoy and what will make it most fun for you, uh, and try to try to roll with that. Um, what, what was your third one that you brought up? Oh, okay. Well, I think we're going to have to save this for, for next segment. So I'm so glad that oh, okay. uh, you told me you'd be available for another one. But no, the third one was putting too much weight on the previous season, particularly with players oh, that yeah. hadn't really done it before. Yep. So I'm going to give you a few minutes to, to gather your thoughts on that one because I know we do have to head to break pretty soon. You also mentioned you know something about you know making it fun. And if we have time, I, I want to circle back to that in kind of an indirect way. So I will try to remember that. But uh, anyhow, we're going to head to break now. Uh, I'll come right back and we'll talk more about what we learned this year. So stick around. Hey, 
everybody. It's me, Joe Pizzapia, best-selling author of the Fantasy Black Book series. And right now, you can get the 2017 Fantasy Football Black Book on Amazon as we speak. What are you waiting for? You can get it for ebook, for your Kindle, or for paperback. And it's not just me this year. No, I brought in some friends. I got Jake Seeley. I got Sammy Reed. I got Gary Davenport. I got championships, and they're waiting for you. Find out why the Fantasy Black Book is number one best-selling in fantasy sports for the 10th straight time. You know why? Because once you go Black Book, you never go back. Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melkier, and my guest for the last segment, and for this one, too, David Greenman, the actor David Greenman, who you might know from about last night, Bones, Gilmore, Girl, Girl, Gilmore Girls. Uh, this is why I'm not an actor. I can't pronounce things. David, anyways, Gilmore uh, Girls with a, a fish trap. Yeah. <laughs> is that that's, uh, the, the sequel to the sequel? Yes, exactly. All right. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. I, I think I can now be take credit for being the creator of that series. Why um, not? Move out to Hollywood. <laughs> I've been moving west. I've just one more stop. Uh, well, we had started talking about lessons learned. I had outlined a few of mine. I know you've got some to get to. I know you also wanted to uh, talk a little bit about uh, some of the issues that I raised. I also, I need your help with something, Dave, because I, I messed something up earlier in the show. Uh, I took a yeah, I took a Twitter question, and I prefaced it by talking about how I hadn't been getting to those questions early enough, so I was going to take care of this. And then I and I and I prefaced it further by saying it's a two part question, and I never answered the second part. All right. So, uh, how high should we be on Ozzy Albies for next year? You know, I was not high on him coming into this year. I thought he was sort of one of those guys that's a good uh, real baseball player and not. Uh, as exciting a fantasy player, and he sort of is looking like he's proven me wrong this year, much like Luke Weaver, who I thought would be a solid fourth starter, and he looks like an ace. Uh, I would be excited about Albies, but I'm never going to be someone who's going to jump and take them way over everybody else. Uh, Just because, in particular, second-year slumps often happen. Yeah. Well, and and actually, this this unintentionally does provide us with something of a segue to what we had wound up the last segment on, which is players who have done something for one year, and in Albiz's case, is a fraction of a year, um, but we don't know if they can do it again. And, you know, in a very short time, he's got eight stolen bases, and in an environment where steals are, are getting more and more scarce, that does give me some interest in him. But I don't know, you know I, after saying how I felt like I was a little too high on Jonathan VR and Aaron Perez... I, I have a feeling I probably won't be drafting any uh, Ozzy Albies next year because I'm probably going to be a little gun shy with drafting players that I can only really trust them uh, as far as deals go. So, uh, yeah, I would say excited is is a stronger word than I'm going to use. But I think he'll be you know, somebody who will be definitely in my list of players to look for for steals. And, and I'll try to restrain myself to not, not spend too much on them. So and if everybody restrains and they're there at a good a good price or a good draft position, yeah, yeah grab them. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. So you said you wanted to weigh in on that topic just generally. So did you? Um, what, what was your experience with that this year, and and uh, what would be your goal next year in in terms of weighing one good year of performance? Well, one one of the things that uh, I had on my list was just that I, I kept Chris Bryant at a very high price simply because he was Chris Bryant. 
And uh, I don't know if he's gotten an RBI today. I don't think he's playing yet. But uh, he, was, he had 73 RBIs on the season, which is horrifying to me. Um, but there's not, you know, it, it doesn't, well, yeah. it doesn't really affect who he is as a player, <laughs> but, uh, odd year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll blame Joe Madden. Why not? Um, but I, I think, you know, VR, it's funny cause he was somebody who I always wanted to break out. And then I finally gave up on him and he had the breakout year. And then I, I didn't end up owning him anywhere, but I can totally understand why you would at least expect that if the batting average is going to drop, the steals would be there, but he'd sort of played himself out of everything story. I think could bounce back next year. Um, but again, you know, if you can get him at a good discount now, maybe that's a fun gamble to take next year. Um, and Hernan Perez, I, I don't know that he had enough playing time to, to rack up the same kind of things, but uh, it's always, it's always hard. And I feel like I, especially if you own them on your team and you were excited about owning them, then you're definitely going to want to jump on them the next year. And I feel like we can, we can overrate players. Whereas one of my friends who has consistently finished in the top three in every league always has the most boring looking team. Uh, I always look at his team after the draft and say, I would never have picked any of those players. Uh, And yet he consistently does well because he takes those sort of old faithful types. And uh, I think, I think trying to mix that in with the young, exciting guys, because they're the ones that can push you to the, the championships. Certainly people who gambled on Aaron Judge and Cody Bellinger are reaping the benefits. Um, but I, I think it's also important to have those guys that you know, you, or at least you think, will stay healthy and, and maintain a solid level of production, even if they're not going to lead the league in any one category. Yeah, those guys are always underrated and underpriced. So I think that's a it's a great point to make. Um, and uh, much earlier in the year, I had uh, Jeff Zimmerman on uh, from Fangraphs, and he just noticed I did not mention um, uh, Tout Wars is a league that I was in contention to win. Uh, I've been the running for second place, but Jeff has just absolutely destroyed that league. And he talked about how um, you know he you know, uh, a lot of his success could be tied to that kind of player. Um, so what was more some of the life lessons, fancy lessons that you've learned this year? Uh, pitching is the worst. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like starters this year, even the, even the guys who were supposed to be consistent all were disappointing in various stretches. I mean, Jacob deGrom is, is still probably a top 10 pitcher, but there were, there were days where, if I'd had him in my hand, I would have thrown him against the wall because uh, he just had some terrible starts and now he's having tummy trouble. Uh, but uh, when I pulled up a list of like the top 20 pitchers for the season, there were a ton of surprises. I mean, Robbie Ray is up there, which makes me uh, want to go crazy because I traded him for Lance McCullers, uh, who I'm glad is pitching not great at the moment because he's facing the Red Sox. But uh, I thought he was a better long-term keeper and, he still could be, but, uh, but I don't know. Um, so pitching, I, I feel like every year my strategy is to amass as many possibly good pitchers, and then I can weed them out through the season. Uh, and this year, that is sort of how I survived. Um, there were the teams who maybe had two of those top four guys, and they did better than me. But because I had a lot of guys and any particular week, they could be on a good stretch. That worked for me. Uh, so that is probably something I will try to do again is have a lot of options for starting pitchers because you never, never know when 
Alex Wood is going to take off or Gio Gonzalez will walk five batters a game and still be a top 10 pitcher. I don't know how that happened, but, uh, uh, pit, pitching, I, I found, uh, keeping the numbers intact and that changes a little bit in a roto league where you're limited on starts. You've got to play matchups better, but, uh, in terms of points leagues and head to head leagues, uh, that is a strategy I will use again. Uh, so that was one of my, one of my lessons from the season. Uh, okay. Another one was as a, a commissioner note, because I commissioner my head-to-head categories league, uh, and I'm always trying to eliminate that sort of outside lock factor. So I'm always trying to tweak the rules a little bit to just make them work right. And this year I found a number of the ones that I tweaked uh, had the opposite effect and made things less fair, uh, which gave me the realization that in general, this is a game where luck is always going to factor and maybe uh, not trying to uh, mess with the gods of fantasy baseball uh, in that respect is a, is a safer way to go. Uh, another lesson is to know your format. I think the reason I tanked in the Roto League is I did not have a true ace pitcher, and I think in any, any Roto League, you need to have your aces because you are limited in starts. So that was an important lesson I will try not to forget next year. Uh, and finally, I just made a note that I really think we need to get rid of Coors Field. It just messes okay, up numbers. Well, uh, I can't do much about it. They, you know, the humidor uh, is probably the closest we've come to, to trying to do that. But, um, I, yeah, well, it's it, tricky it, because, yeah. I, 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 yes, I, I wasn't expecting you to actually accomplish that, Al. If you figure it out, though, please, please do. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, we try to be proactive on this show. So, uh but yeah, I, I'm no help with that one. I'm, I, I feel like I'm not even that much help in terms of uh, you know giving advice that that's consistently uh, you know good with with the situation as it is. I mean, I I talked about Tyler Anderson starting tomorrow, and he's one of the potential streaming options I like the best this Sunday. Uh, but it's it's a home start against the Dodgers. I figure the Dodgers will sit a lot of players, um, but it's just such a wild card. I mean, Clayton he Kershaw's has that core magic, though. Doesn't doesn't he pitch? Anderson pitches well at home, so you, you might get yeah, one of those well, that's magical. The thing too. I, yeah, I, just I, no I would say if reason. you need the start, he could be he could be a good one. He seems to be on a good stretch, and yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, the Dodgers I, will will rest people. Yeah, I, I like him. Well, I want to wind this up. I want to circle back to to something you brought up in the last segment and talking about uh, you know having players that make it fun for you. And you also talked about relying on a Rolfus Chapman for saves this year. I'm going to out myself here uh, something. I turned down a trade offer uh, to get a Rolfus Chapman when I really, really needed saves because I don't want to own a Rolfus Chapman. There are just certain players I don't want to own because it doesn't make it fun for me. And I'm sure a lot of people probably will hear this and, you know, have an issue, but, you know, certain players that, uh, you know, it's just, if I were a real GM or owner, you know, I just wouldn't, wouldn't want them on my team. It, 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 do you have anything like that? Cause I, I, my perception is that not many fantasy owners play that way. Uh, it's, it's interesting. Cause I have heard other people say the same thing. Uh, I think if Aroldis Chapman was getting a portion of my winnings, not that that would matter in the realm of his current contract, but uh, if I was in some way benefiting him by owning him, I would certainly be opposed to that. Um, 
I think in, in, as being a good fantasy businessman, uh, I need to find, and, and the reason I owned a role as Chapman in two leagues was actually because I got him cheap when he started the year suspended. So I took advantage of that, uh, and it helped me that year. Um, so, yeah, I think sometimes it's about the player as a person, uh, but ultimately I also want to win the fantasy league. All right, David. Well, kind of ended on a uh, heavier note there. Thank you so much for joining us, uh, David Greenman, uh, and best of luck uh, over the next couple of days. Thanks for having me. You too. Are you new to Daily Fantasy? Are you a veteran? Either way, you can better your chances of winning money and lots of it by going to dailyroto.com. Multiple people have become millionaires thanks to the guys at Daily Roto. Why not take advice from the experts? You can become a millionaire too. Just go to dailyroto.com to rock daily fantasy sports. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to FanRack Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melchior, your host. And I want to thank again uh, to a uh, big shout out to David Greenman, who uh, did double duty here. Two, uh, two segments on the show. Probably could have easily <coughs> excuse me, kept him on even longer. Uh, a lot of good insight there from David. Uh, like I said, I've played with him uh, in leagues and... Uh, uh, you know, good intense competitor with a, a lot of good insight on uh, you know what he learned from the season with the the thinning of uh, reliable pitching and um, uh, just a, a you know how to to value players uh, that uh, have just uh, had one good season or so. So uh, good uh, good insight there. Uh, anyway, um, I promised I would check back in on the uh, games in progress. Uh, still, just uh, the two, although we've got. Uh, Four more games coming up in just over an hour, but the Red Sox have jumped out to a 5 nothing lead. So as long as that holds, they will clinch today, uh, clinch the AL East title. And also that means uh, from the fantasy perspective that we will not see Chris Sale start tomorrow. So if you're in that position uh, that I uh, talked about with David uh, of, of uh you know, waiting on pins and needles to see if uh, Chris Sale is going to start right now does not look does not look good at all. Uh, the Yankees, however, are up to nothing. So if the Astros do rally, and certainly if there's any team capable of it, it would be the Astros. Um, you know that would become relevant. So Yankees up to nothing on the Blue Jays uh, halfway through the sixth inning. Uh, as far as weather goes for the remaining games, no worries there. Don't need to make any changes to your daily lineups. Because there's beautiful fall weather everywhere uh, that a game is being played, uh, except uh, in St. Pete and Miami, because they're playing in a dome. And I don't really know what the weather is, but I'm guessing it's it's probably hot. Anyway, um, so weather will not be an issue for any uh, any of the remaining games that are being played. As far as lineups go, uh, the Rays lineup is out. That's the only one I've seen from the nighttime games. And uh, there's no Evan Longoria in the Rays lineup tonight. It's uh, Daniel Robertson playing over at third base. Um, so that's uh, if you're counting on Evan Longoria on the last night of the baseball season, you need to look for another uh, Another option, and that's against the Orioles. And Miguel Castro getting the start there. Kind of interesting move uh, for the Orioles. I actually expected to see that much earlier 
been very good in long relief. I actually thought uh, he'd uh, we'd see him in that rotation earlier. And then uh, the games that are all set to start in just over an hour. Uh, we have all those lineups in. Uh, Billy Hamilton is in the lineup for the Reds. He is leading off in center field. So um, that should be uh, pretty good. And actually, uh, uh, Jose Peraza also in that lineup for the Reds. So uh, the, the catching for the Cubs today is Wilson Contreras. That is not a bad stolen base matchup for Hamilton and Peraza. Um, Matt Cain making his last ever start uh, this afternoon for the Giants uh, against the Padres and Yuli Shasin. I love Yuli Shasin in this one. He's great at home. AT&T Park's a good park. Giants are a good matchup. Talked about that a little bit earlier with that that matchup. So Yuli Shasin, uh, if you got time to add a pitcher, uh, he looks like a good one. So anyway, uh, hope you have had a great, great season, everybody. Uh, I will be back next Saturday again. But this is it in terms of in-season uh, episodes of FanRack Fantasy Baseball. So I just want to thank you all for listening this season. Uh, hopefully I've helped you out here. Hopefully you've enjoyed uh, the discussion and, and the guests that I've had. And uh, just try to keep it going in the postseason and the offseason here. So I will be back again, same time, same date. And, of course, here on Fantasy Sports Radio Network. So have a great weekend, everybody. See you next week. <laughs>